Alrighty, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Soma Mama podcast. I am so delighted to introduce to you today a lovely, lovely guest that we have on. And I want to give you a little bit of context about the way in which we met. First of all, I will give you her name. This is lovely Jessica Marcus. She currently resides in Raleigh, North Carolina, um, but she is a Philly baby originally. So she will speak more to that um, when she gives you her introduction. So Jess and I have the social media algorithm to thank for our connection, which truly was so, so kismet. So how it happened, we think it was through a mutual mutual friend. And I am going to take a moment here to name, I have a dog, doggy friend in the back who's whimpering, so you might hear him. Um, he wants to go out and play. So yeah, Jess uh, and I ended up connecting through Instagram and I, this was actually back in March, probably the beginning of March. And at the time I was looking to do my craniosacral therapy training. And I basically pretty impulsively signed up for a training um, down in Chapel Hill. Um, so just after that, Jess and I connected on Instagram. We, Jess is a coach, a therapist. She has a background in social work. And so we already felt just this energetic sense of alignment. And um, I was like, hey, she was like, hey, I'm, I'm actually from the Philly area originally, but I just moved down to North Carolina a couple years ago. And I was like, wait, no way, I'll, I'll be there in a couple weeks. And so Jess and I were able to meet up one day after my training and just beautiful, this is this cafe situated in the woods basically of um, Chapel Hill. And we, it was, you know, one of those people that you meet where you just feel that, how I like to describe it is immediate, like, your nervous system feels at home, right? Your nervous system feels seen and known. And although you might feel that anxiousness um around meeting someone new and finding something to talk about, like once you're in it and once you're in flow, um, the rest is history. So um, one second. All right, quick pause, y'all, as I manage this doggy that wanted to start barking as my partner entered our house. Um, so needless to say, Jess and I ended up having such a beautiful conversation um, right in the woods of North Carolina. We could feel the breeze on our skin and just diving into social work. And, and Jess is a few years ahead of me in her journey, so I immediately felt like I could ask her um, so many questions just around professional development and self-interest in the area. And um, we continued on to go to dinner after that. And then we were able to dive deeper into um, yeah, things like attachment patterns and um, spirit babies and past lives and our, uh, our travels in which we even pinpointed that we may or may not have been in Thailand traveling actually at the same time, which is wild. So these are these are the things that i live for right the like the thinking of like wow you know when you it's like those moments where you meet someone say on a college campus and then you end up seeing them like every day after that and you're like did i just not notice them before or you know are we actually crossing paths more so anyway so 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 cool i'm so excited for you to hear more from jess and uh jess why don't you take it away and yeah. tell us a little bit about you well, thank you for having me. Um, I'm super excited to chat with you today and totally agree with everything you said. Just divine timing and uncanny and yet so ordinary that, you know, we were able to connect in that way. Um, yeah. So basically, like what you were saying, um, I'm from Philly and um, I am a licensed mental health therapist um, and I transitioned into coaching full time a few years ago. Um, and was not the most linear transition, but definitely a beautiful one. And um, now I work with high achieving women in one-on-one -on -one and group spaces, just really helping them not only create lives that look good on paper and are checking the boxes, but that feel good too. And, and that are sustainable and meaningful. And um, I love what I do. It's, it's, it's a real blessing to be able to do that full-time and say that that's my job. And I'm in Raleigh now, which I like. I just went to Philly this past weekend. I was visiting some friends and definitely missed the grittiness of the city, but Raleigh has been good to me and I think I'll be here for a little bit, so we'll see. 
Uh, thank you, Jess. Thank you for how your introduction. And um, I know there's so much, right? I told you before we hopped on our podcast, I immediately thought of Jess and I, having just met once. And, you know, now we, of course, have the pleasure of connecting and following each other's journeys via social media. Um, but I jotted a few things down and I was like, what comes to mind when I think of Jess and things that we could converse about in which other people can, can gain something from our conversation and from Jess's journey. And one of the first things that came to mind was goal setting. And I also want to give a little shameless plug here too. Jess has her own podcast called the Up Level, correct, right? Podcast? Close. Yeah. Correct. Unlearn to level up. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> I should have written that down. Unlearn to level up. Yeah. Um, shortly put up level. If you want to up level yourself, go to Jess's podcast. And she has some really, really valuable information there. Having had a background in um, psychology and coaching and leadership development, self-development. So go check that out as well. But Jess, will you give us, so goal setting is one thing that comes to mind and then also consistency. Consistency, And I know one thing that one tradition you have um, that's become part of your morning routine is journaling every morning. And I kid you not y'all, like every morning just as, you know, when we first met, she said, I just have like a closet full of journals and I look at them and I'm like, one day that'll be a book. So can you tell us about just some tangibles or the ways in which, um, little tiny goals have have become have made like big transition and impact in your own life yeah so when i think of goal setting um a lot of things come to mind because it's such a hot topic in coaching and personal development and even therapy you know we start with an intake and then we make a treatment plan and so i think goals are important because they give us something to work towards And what's interesting for me is not only did I have to learn goal setting, but I had to unlearn a little bit because I ended up getting attached to my goals. And when they didn't work out, how, when, or in the order I thought I would get upset and, you know, really go on a unhealthy spiral. And so for me over the years, I've really started to look at goals more in terms of looser destinations. What direction do I want to move in and what type of experiences and things do I want to cultivate more of in my life that are going to help me day to day show up in a way and do things that are not only going to help me reach that destination, but mean meaningful on the journey to that as well. And it's interesting because I've had to really get good at deciphering a goal versus an ideal because the ideals were creating so much unnecessary pressure and had so much residue attached to them that one, if I ever did hit them, the joy I felt was momentarily like a moment. And two, it just kept changing because society is always more bigger, (laughs) different. And so, um, For me, again, unlearning that the goal is the peak emotional experience and that, you know, the journey is more important, creating goals that are in alignment with my values and to be committed versus attached to the goal, and then also differentiating goals versus ideals. Um, And so that that's big picture and then smaller picture. If I actually do have a goal, um, I have. 90-day goals, year-long goals, and three, five, and 10-year goals. And so just giving myself a little bit of grace in terms of, again, how that looks, what the timeframes are, I have short-term goals, long-term goals, um, and then when the goal is getting closer, then I'll start to create an action plan with like objectives and things like that. And I track them, I write them down. So I do all the traditional stuff, but I wanted to start with that bigger picture. like little spiel on goals, because we can get into the nitty gritty of like creating goals and hitting goals. But if your goals aren't in alignment and your intention is off, you're going to struggle even if you have all the tips and resources on how to quote unquote hit a goal. Mm, I love that so much. And 
clearly there's a reason behind the name of your podcast, right? I really, I really appreciate how you said, you know, my, really my first step was unlearning. And, um, and then the second piece I, I really liked that you mentioned was that, you know, goals become these looser destinations, right? And identifying the intention behind where we're going and where we'd like to be. And what immediately came to me too, is just the cross pattern between, um, like the living in a spiritual sense and then also creating a relationship with our mind and our mental processes. And, you know, I feel like we hear a lot about in our world now manifestation, this and that, and speak it into existence. And, you know, there's also discussion around uh, like spiritual bypass and toxic positive positivity, which likely is another podcast episode in and of itself. Um, but to make it a little bit more tangible too for our listeners, I want to know, so you said you you do write your goals down and long-term goals, short-term goals, three, five, 10 year. Do you have somewhere, is it tucked away in a notebook? Are you putting that somewhere in your home setting? Um, yeah, what do you find? Yeah, for you? These are great questions. And this kind of brings us into that consistency piece and the habit question that you had. So I start big picture, I'm kind of old school. I, I buy massive post-its and a bunch of pretty markers and I just brain dump. I brain dump, wouldn't it be cool if, or what, what, what do I most desire? What do I want to experience? What, what do I like? It's funny. It, it, my coach, when she looked at my goal list, not only did I have business and financial goals on there, but I had get a sleeve tattoo, go to a music festival, <laughs> right? Like it, 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 it's all of it. And so I start really big picture and I have a series of post-its. So I just brain dump. Wouldn't it be cool if my wildest dreams, it doesn't matter when, it doesn't matter if I have access to it, resources. I don't think about how I would make it work. If it was realistic, I just dream. And then from there, my second post-it is I categorize it based on color. So what are, what are health ones? And I put those in a certain color. What are relational ones? And I put those in a certain color, which ones are financial, which ones are professional, right? So I kind of categorize them. And then from there, the third one is I'll put them in chronological order, right? Like which ones actually make sense for me to focus on right now? Which ones are just seeds that I'm planting for long-term vision and dreams, right? And then the ones that are short-term within the year, then I'll actually create like my goal list. What's my goal? Can I make it specific? How can I measure it? What type of actions are going to create that goal? And how can I create smaller stepping stones and habits to actually achieve that six month year long goal? Because the goal is not going to happen in six months. It's going to happen what I from what I do in those six months. And so, for example, I have my planner in front of me right now. Every single month, I start the month with what are my goals, and I put them in my planner, and I track them every single week. And then, again, based on breaking it down in terms of what those actions are, I'll put them in my planner so that I can every single day look and track and make sure that I'm keeping um, my actions in alignment with creating that result. So, and I'm checking in every 30 days, even though it's a six-month goal. So that's my process. That's not the only way to do it, but that's kind of how I've... Um, been doing it for a few years and it's really cool because again I can literally have it there I can track it I can cross it off I can see it I have a vision board usually um, that I look at every single day with my journal um, as part of my morning practice so th this is kind of a, a integration of a bunch of things I've picked up along the way and, and a process that I've created for myself that isn't the only way like take what you want leave the rest um, but the big piece is dream without and in, without inhibition and then create like actually choose what are you willing to go after and what is it going to take and then putting it into actionable steps that and for me that's actually scheduling the steps for some people they just need to identify what it is and they'll do it for me i like i said i have my planner right in front of me it's my bestie so i need to put it in my planner to make sure it gets done Oh, I am beaming right now. And I there's two things I really want to hit on. One, uh, mentioning that my Virgo moon sign is like just jumping for joy. 
thinking about doing this process myself with the sticky notes and color coding. And I actually, what uh, I related that process to was talking papers, which were, are you familiar with talking papers? Okay, this came up with in like one of my first social work classes. Um, but basically it's a, um, it's a way to, right, and you can do this in any group setting. So maybe it's a meeting, maybe it's a group therapy setting. Um, maybe it's something you do with off the fly with your friends, even like, where are we going to go to dinner? But it's also a way for people to express their thoughts and feelings in an anonymous way. So if you're like at a school board meeting and you're discussing maybe more of a heavier or contentious topic, you've passed around papers, you have everyone um, write down what they, how they feel about this certain topic. And, um, and then everyone, the like, the leader will collect the papers and then put them up on a board that everyone can see, okay? And there's no names attached, there's no voices attached, but you'll use the group to say, okay, so I see, um, you know, there's feelings around this and where, like what category would this fit into? So then you're moving the sticky notes around, you're moving the papers around to create themes or categories. And, um, and I really like that. And it's, it's funny too, because I, of course, I know you have a background in social work, but I'm like, she literally just talked, talking papered her goals, you know, like, that's exactly what she did. And um, before I lose it, the second thing I want to ask you real quick is when you check a goal off your list, again, whether it's short term or long term, how do you feel? Will you describe to us the feeling that you that you feel in your body and your mind and your heart and your soul. Obviously, being on the Soma Mama podcast, I'm really interested in the somatics and the somatics of goal setting and goal achievement. Um, is that something that you can speak to? Absolutely. I think it depends on the goal and what it took to create that goal. So sometimes it is a sense of relief because it was a goal that I quote unquote think I needed or I worked really hard on. Um, I really do try to be better now when I cross off a goal to celebrate and cultivate feelings of accomplishment and pride and gratitude in addition to just relief, because I think that that relief is really short-lived and it's quickly followed up by more angst because now I'm striving towards the next thing. So I really try to anchor into one, creating goals that aren't just grind, 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 or just financial or just hit or miss, but more subjective, more experiential, more um, integrative. And when I do hit that goal, or even see that I'm making progress towards that goal, I really do take a moment to try to celebrate that and, and pat myself on the back where it's like, you know, you're, you're, you're doing this, you don't have to, but, but you are. And what a gift to yourself to put in time, energy, effort, and sometimes money to do something that isn't just good on paper, but feels good. And kudos to you for making it a priority and, and focusing on it. And I try to stay in that space as long as I can. Um, but I'm human and those emotions are fleeting. Um, but I really do try to, and that's the reason I I have a vision board and I have my goals written off because even though I cross them off, they don't go anywhere. Every time I look, at the ones that I'm still striving towards or cultivating or creating, I can see the ones that I've already accomplished and that feels good. Mm, yes. Oh, and isn't that such a beautiful analogy for growth in general is what you just said there was I look at the ones that I previously achieved or previously crossed off and I bring gratitude to those, right? Like it's not just, oh, that's done and, and then we're on to something bigger, better and more, right? Like pragmatically or logistically, maybe that is where you're at in terms of your your goals and the size of them. Um, but I feel that we often so easily tend to lose sight of everything that we've experienced and um, in life in general to get to where we are, right? And some of those things don't feel like goals, right? Some of those things are the muck and the yuck and the pitfalls and the face plants. Um, but again, bringing it back to that growth analogy, They've led us to where we are now. 100%. And that's actually the, when I was thinking of my podcast, that was the very first episode. And it's interesting because it's not the favorite, 
but it's my favorite because it, I think at, at least for the people I work with, with are, which are high achievers, it is one of the most profound things to focus on. And it's how to actually measure success. And a lot of times we measure success based on how close we are to the goal or how much further we have to go versus measuring success based on how far we've come and creating space for all the face plans, all the wins, all the accomplishments, all the insights, all the learnings, all the things that people can see because we have a status, a number, or something tangible, and all the things that people can't see. And so just creating space on how far we have come and that that's the real measure of progress. And that's how successful you are. It's not how far you have to go because I promise you that carrot, especially financial ones or status ones or relational ones will always move. They're always gonna move and it's exhausting and you will be chronically frustrated and disappointed if that's how you measure success. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and what I hear there is in the spiritual sense impermanence, right? I, I remember I took my first ever Buddhist thought and culture class as like a freshman or sophomore in college and just learning the philosophies behind um, the religion in which I don't identify with myself, but there are so many teachings and philosophies and yogic philosophy and in Buddhism and Hinduism that I'm like, oh yeah, this resonates and this aligns and really just I mean, I sometimes I allow myself to go into those mental trances where I just go deeper and deeper and deeper. I'm like, truly everything is impermanent. And actually one silly example that's coming up for me is last night with this dog that we're dog sitting right now, a puppy, high energy. And he went for one of our sons, um, like talking teddy bears. And immediately I was like, I don't really want him chewing on that teddy bear because our son likes that. And he's, and he's been playing with that. And then I had this moment where I was like, well, it's impermanent anyway. Like, why do I care? <laughs> you know? And it's, and I want to say that because it's, it's okay to take the teddy bear away from the dog and say, no, I, we're not going to do this. Right. That's a healthy boundary and that's okay. And it's also in those moments where it does feel like things are out of your control or they're crumbling into little tiny pieces. It's like, well, who's to say this wasn't meant to happen anyway. Yeah. There's this book I recently read it's actually a book of poems, which is interesting because that's not my go-to literature piece, but um, it was suggested to me. And literally I read the book, it was beautiful, but I, I, I took this one thing from it and it's literally gonna stay with me forever. And it's a whole poem about how nothing has gone wrong. The only thing that's gone wrong is that we thought it was supposed to go another way. And that to me really speaks to this commitment versus attachment piece where, again, going back to the goal piece, I was so attached to the goal because of how I thought it would make me feel, how I thought it would make me look and what I thought it would give to me. And that's a really unhealthy relationship to have to your goals because you, you might not hit it when you think you're going to, it might not go, it probably won't go according to plan, but if you can be committed to the destination and enjoying the journey and learning as you go and remembering that it's more of like a guidepost versus this black and white, you did it or you failed. Um, it gives you a little bit of grace and compassion when things don't go according to plan. Um, and again, when they don't go according to plan, it, whose plan was it? It was yours, right? And so nothing has gone wrong because if it was meant to happen that way or that person was meant to be in your life or was meant to happen in that time frame, it would have. And the fact that it didn't, yes, we can take inventory and personal responsibility and pivot and learn and grow, but it doesn't mean it's not necessarily like going to happen or, or meant for you. It, it, it's just that it wasn't supposed to happen that way because if it was, it would have. That's it. Mm -hmm. Because if it was, it would have. Ah, uh, just like I want to take a moment to let that sink in. And yeah, I mean, I what's also surfacing for me, Jess, and something I'd be curious to ask you is for someone, um, say it's a client you're working with, or maybe even a friend who you see them in, uh, or you witness them in, or maybe they come to you and they're like, I keep 
you know, fallen for the wrong people, right? You notice a cyclical pattern of something very similar happening and a similar outcome happening. What would be your first response as a therapist, as a coach, even just as a human? What's, is there something that you initially jump to and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, my, main, my mind just went to a hundred different things, but if I was to look for the common theme among all those things I would consider, it would be creating non-judgmental awareness. Can we just take a moment, zoom out, and look at this as if it was a glass of water, no feelings towards it at all, try to arrive at the most neutral place we can, and just cultivate some curiosity and awareness around what is happening? How long has this been happening? When did it start? What need is it meeting? right? Because a lot of times there's a function in the dysfunction and some need is getting met if we're violating our values or our likes or desires, right? And so without judgment, just looking at it for what it is and, and, and being really intrigued and curious and open-minded and just pulling from it what we can. And then when we have that information to look at from there, really boiling down, what are the sticky points, either mentally or behaviorally or emotionally or relationally, and identifying, okay, this is the starting point. Where did this come from? Where are we wanting to go? And what are some potential options to get us there to cross that threshold? Um, so it's funny that as I'm saying this, it, it's, it sounds very talking paper, sticky note process again, <laughs> but um, I, I really do like to start big picture and narrow down because I think what ends up happening a lot of times because discomfort is so uneasy for a lot of people. And we live in a society where people really struggle with impatience. A lot of times we're putting band-aids on broken bones. We're fixing things behaviorally, but we're not getting to the root. And that requires awareness that requires sitting in the discrepancy, the contemplation, the discomfort, because we need to understand what got us there to actually fix it, not just put a quick remedy on it. Um, and so that's kind of my process with a lot of things. I, I, I go big picture. I, I go deep. I go internal first before we start like focusing on all the sexy behavioral interventions. Yes. Oh, and I just, I applaud that approach so, so much. And I, two things are surfacing. One, like you could, and for those of you listening, I'm sure you can already tell that Jess is someone who you'd meet in everyday life. And she would be one of those gals. It's like, all right, we're, we're going to go deep, you know, like forget the small talk. Yep. I know how to do it. That's a thing that is exists in our, in our world and in our society, but like, let's go deep. You know, like I want to know you and I want to know all of your layers and I want to know all of you. And um, a researcher who came to mind uh, was Kristen Tippett and her work around self-compassion. Um, and I, I really, I, I remember approaching her work back when I was in a very self-critical period of my life. And it was actually my therapist who was like, hey, Courtney, maybe you should, she even just handed me an, a magazine article that um, highlighted Kristen Tippett's work. And, you know, obviously having, Jess and I also are both yoga teachers and having recently completed at the time my yoga teaching, I was like, yeah, self-compassion. I know it. You know, I could I can do that. And it was like, but really getting honest my, with myself and asking myself, but are you really are you really looking at yourself right now with a lens of self-compassion and two words that I come back to all the time are space and grace space and grace, space and grace. Something happens between a friend, space and grace. Something happens where I notice my mind going into self-criticism. Courtney, give yourself space and grace, you know? And sometimes it's, I even remember growing up, my mom, like when my sisters and I would fight, <laughs> she had two older sisters, she would give us a 24 hour rule. She was like, okay, you can sit in your feelings for, for 24 hours. And I can see the ways in which this can be conditioned negatively, but for what it was worth as children, we were or teenagers, preteens. Okay, you know, be in your feels, have your pity party. And then once the 24 hour mark hits, we're gonna address, we're gonna address the root of the matter here, right? Like, and typically our solution would be like, 
she'd be like, say nice, say three nice things about one another, <laughs> you know, or apologize. And I laugh now, but I'm like, yeah, okay. As a parent, I could see where she was going with that. And, and yeah, again, just giving, giving yourself that grace. Um, look where I've been. And another thing that's coming up for me too, is just acknowledging, and this very well dips into social work and, and analyzing a individual and the ways in which they exist within a community, right? And as a, the human species, we are interconnected, right? Even in moments where we feel alone or we feel like our community isn't abundant, we are connected. We are connected with the cashier at the grocery store. We are connected with you know, the dog that we saw on a walk, you know, and because um, we are innately sentient beings. And um, so, yeah, where I'm like totally on a tangent. And I was like, where was I going with that? But I just simply acknowledging the, yeah. the interconnectedness and yes, how often, especially when we come back to childhood and then I'll turn the mic over to you, Jess, we tend to blame ourselves for things that we quote unquote did or that happened to us. And I think an important thing to acknowledge is that we were an individual or we are an individual that is part of a system such as a family system, a society, you know, America and things that happen to us or happen around us. They're not always our fault, you know? Yeah. I mean, this is where my bias towards social work comes into play and, and why I don't neglect that training, even though I transitioned into the industry of coaching, because I think it is so valuable. Um, so again, I will call it my bias and at the same time, acknowledge, I love this framework, person and environment where we can't just look at an individual and say that, that their symptomology or their presentation or their demeanor is solely because of their unique psychology, right? Like there is so much science that shows that you have to look at a person in their environment and that that unique representation in that moment is not just their brain chemistry, but it's their psychology, their family, their history, their culture, their race, their sex, their socioeconomic status, where they grew up, that intersectionality is so important. And, and, you know, it's interesting. It's, it's a silly example, but I just went to Philly this weekend and I brought a friend with me and on the drive back, he was talking about how I feel like I understand you more because I've seen where you're from. And I giggled because I was like, yes, exactly. <laughs> right. Like that has a huge influence on my demeanor and, you know, again, my unique psychology plays a role in that, but you cannot discount my environment, my culture, my family, my generation. The fact that, you know, I'm, I won't even venture to say what gen I am because I feel like they change all the time and I'm getting older and <laughs> no, but, you know, I was around like pre-social media and, and, and a lot of pre-tech and, you know, but, but now I'm, uh, it's an integral part of my life. It's how we connect it. So um, all those things play a role and it's important to look at a person holistically and completely, not just you are what you do today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the other thing that you mentioned that I kind of want to talk about is going back to that self-compassion piece. I also love self-compassion work. And I think it's interesting because I could assume the people who are listening to your podcast are not new to this work. They might have taken a yoga class, read a book, listened to a podcast, done a seminar, might have done some somatic work. And there's a difference between knowing, oh, I know what self-compassion is and I know that I should be self-compassionate, but a lot of times there's this disconnect between knowing and actually doing and integrating the the knowledge so that it can become wisdom and and a part of our skill set and i think that that is a missing piece we have a lot of people who are super intelligent and know a lot but aren't actually implementing and integrating the work and we were talking about that before we even hit record where it's i have a lot of awareness around my attachment style and you know, I've read a lot and done research and all the things, but, you know, being in relation with people, 
I still get activated and I'm aware of why it's happening, but it's my responsibility to continuously do the work by integrating the techniques, the practices and the skills so that over time I can not change or berate or criticize myself for having those reactions, but um, slowly but surely create corrective experiences and, and mend and heal and manage and cope with what was created as a, a result of a very complex childhood. <laughs> all the things going back to person environment, all the things that came together in this Petri dish to create me. Mm, and the beautiful, dynamic, tenacious, empowered being that you are, might I add. And and this is actually a beautiful segue, Jess, into really bringing so many of these pieces and components together that we've already talked about, such as goals, such as growth, such as childhood impact, such as person and environment framework. And um, and for those of you who are not familiar in the social work world, person environment framework is exactly what it sounds like. And just to give a beautiful description of it, but basically acknowledging that, yeah, the person is a person is not just who they show up in their in their physical form at in that very moment, right? They've been shaped through environment, through through family, through culture, through um, all of the forms of labels and identities that we can give oneself. Um, so that being said, Jess, I want to talk about your um, initial introduction into social work, what kind of how you came into that, and then also your um, transition into coaching full time. And when we initially met, Jess gave me this beautiful, just dynamic, like, here's been the last 10 years for me. And I was like, wow, it was just amazing. So I love for you to give the listeners uh, a feel for for your journey. Yeah, I will try to make this as cohesive and short as possible, because it is a very complicated decade. So um, basically, I was 16 years old, and I got selected to go to a leadership seminar. And um, I represented the United States um, in this global leadership seminar. And it really introduced me to this idea of social problems. And I left that seminar, spent two weeks in DC talking about really big issues with other 16 year olds from around the world who were selected to represent their countries. Um, and it just lit this passion in my belly where I was like, okay, what's going to be my social issue and how am I going to work on it? And I was playing around with different ideas around what that would look like. Um, and my guidance counselor at the time, I was a senior in high school at this point, um, saw that I was struggling and was like, well, I'm a social worker and I can tell you a little bit about my training. And um, so I started looking it up and I realized that social work had a lot of alignment in terms of my values and my perspectives, but also was such a broad field that I could really do anything as a social worker, I can work in the prison system, I can work in immigration, I could work in politics, I could work in the hospital, I could do therapy, I could do group work, I could work at a school, I could, I could do anything I wanted as a social worker. Um, and if I wanted to go down the clinical route, um, it was the shortest, most effective form of schooling to, to accomplish that. So I went to school to be a social worker and um, when I was 18 years old, I got a letter in the mail for a job opportunity. And long story short, I ended up selling Cutco Cutlery. And um, it was a great job because it was flexible and I was promoted based on my, promoted and paid based on my performance, not my time. And because of the type of person I am, I'm a go-getter, I'm goal-oriented, all the things. Um, it was a great environment for me to flourish. And so, I worked my way up in that company um, while I was a college student. And long story short, I ended up paying for all of my education with that company, including graduate school. And I think one of the reasons I did so well in that company was not only, you know, a lot of the natural tendencies I had, but I also got exposed to personal growth and development really early on. I hired my first life coach at 19. I hired a business coach at 21. Um, so I had 
understood that the world of coaching existed. I had already understood the value of it financially and time-wise. And as I continued learning how to be a social worker and eventually when I went to grad school, a therapist, um, I realized coaching is very similar <laughs> and that I could also be a coach and be a good one because I actually not only did a lot of those things naturally, but I also now have the education and could take what they were teaching me to the next level and, and work on a deeper level. Um, and because of the education and training I was getting in school. But I had a thought process and I knew what I wanted and I was working towards my goals. So when I graduated grad school, um, I worked towards licensure really quickly, a bunch of certifications, specializations, um, published research, taught, created programs through grant funding, all the things. But I got burned out um, because the population I was working with was um, undocumented children who experienced trauma, which is very difficult and heart-wrenching work, beautiful and fulfilling and meaningful, but difficult. And I started kind of exploring remedies to that, which were self-care and started a self-care practice. Um, and long story short, within a year realized that my values have shifted and that there might be a better use of my talents. And I knew the coaching industry existed. And so I started kind of dabbling in coaching, taking one-on-one -on -one clients here and there, running some interesting community work and, and group and workshops and speaking. And then in 2017, um, finally cultivated the courage after taking some time off, traveling, going back to be a yoga teacher, um, and again, publishing some research on self-care, finally made the transition into coaching full-time. And um, yeah, now I've been running my company for the last, it's crazy, going on five years. Wow. And I want to highlight a moment that is, I mean, incredible. For one, like, congratulations. That's just, that doesn't even do it justice. But just, I see, yeah, I see so much. And, and feel so much. And I think that that comes down to our connection. And Jess is just like, I always say it, that felt sense, right? Of like, okay, yeah, this is familiar. I know this. And also, you know, a friend and a connection that's like, wow, you know, that's, that's incredible. Like very, very inspirational. And I want to highlight a moment that you um, had shared with me when we originally met like, around like, one of my first women's groups was like in my apartment in Philly, you know, just like, Show, working with the resources that you have, right? Like pushing effing imposter syndrome out the window and saying, just show up, you know, like what I'm going to do here is hold space and I'm going to help women. And, um, and, you know, from what I understand, like you've, some of those women have circled back around and have worked with you one-on-one, -on -one, correct? Yeah. And that's such a great point. It's funny. Right before we hit record, I was wrapping up with a client call and this was our conversation. She's like, I don't understand my purpose. I don't have clarity on my why and the vision. And so I'm scared to take the leap. And we basically spent the whole call talking about stop focusing on the leap and just focus on the first step because our purpose, our mission, our dharma, our why, our life's work is an unfolding it's a revealing. And I knew I wanted to be a coach. I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I started with what I could. And what that was, was running free workshops in my living room <laughs> in Philadelphia um, through like Facebook and flyers at coffee shops and telling people to come and, and, and inviting friends and offering seltzer water and carrots and hummus because that's all I had <laughs> financially to provide. And I made little worksheets on Word and, you know, I just, I started and I allowed it to unfold. And um, that really was the origin of my coaching business. Um, it's not, again, the most linear how I thought it would look, but I... I allowed it to unfold and there's, don't get me wrong. I'm sounding better than I am. I, there was a lot of impatience and messiness and imposter syndrome and self-doubt and failure along the way. But, um, I wouldn't be where I am now if 
I thought what I created now is what I needed to start. Mm, yeah. That is that right there is, I feel like you're very good at ending, completing your, <laughs> your piece, which is that full, you know, packed with a punch statement that it's, yeah, acknowledges the the full embodied process, the the messiness, the the joys, the the hustle, the you know the late nights on word creating your worksheets and um and and what I hear in that again is this acknowledgement that this this all played a role and this all had a piece um in getting me where I am now. Mm -hmm. um, you need to suck for the success sometimes. I think there's this false misconception that it should be easy or, you know, there's, I shouldn't have to do this. And there's a rite of passage to living a life that's meaningful and fulfilling and creating hitting a goal or creating a dream or like even think about like a marriage or a relationship like it's not perfect they got there because they were honest they were vulnerable they had difficult conversations they showed up they embraced the messiness and 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 nothing worth having is necessarily easy all the time can it be easy absolutely if it's not easy, does it mean it's bad? No, <laughs> right? And so there's, at least the way I like to think about it and what gives me a little bit of grace is that there's a rite of passage to a fulfilling relationship, a successful business, a healthy body. And you have to be willing to work through that because when that resistance hits, when that challenge hits, People don't fail, they quit. It's an opportunity to push through and experience the next level or to accept the, I want to I want to say comfort. And a lot of people are gonna be like, but it's uncomfortable, I hate it, but it's familiar. And so on some level it is comfortable and it is easy. And I know it doesn't feel that way, but it is. Um, and 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 that's a decision we get to make every single day. And so I encourage people to really think about, you know. It's a rite of passage. If, if you just breathe through it and work through it, like you'll, yes, it's the unknown, it's scary, but what if the unknown and scary is more beautiful than you could have imagined? And I, it doesn't have to be this like decade long journey or this like year long grad program or this like, you know, it, it could be quick. I remember I recently, it's funny, we, I think it was the same weekend I did the Wim Hof training and the ice <laughs> Yeah, and it could be just four minutes. I, that 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 day was so powerful for me because it was a physical representation of the mental concepts I'm talking about. Where you know you will adjust. It is our biology to adjust. I literally put my body into an ice bucket, <laughs> and my entire body screamed death <laughs> you are dying it freaked out it stopped breathing blood circulated hormones chemicals my brain like everything went haywire and all I did was I made the decision before I got in that I was going to make it through and I was going to focus on what I had access to which was my breath I breathed and within 30 seconds, it became bearable. Within 60 seconds, my body adjusted and actually started becoming warm. And I ended up staying in for four minutes. And the only reason I got out is because they were like, hey, Jess, safety-wise, you got to get out <laughs> in four minutes. Um, but you will adjust. You absolutely will adjust. We just have to sit in it for just a second longer. And you can do it. Give your body, give your brain, give your wisdom the, the chance to show you, to expand and, and demonstrate like, what you're capable of doing. Like, don't run from the discomfort. Like, you'll be okay. Yes. Oh, my good. And if there's anything our listeners could pull from, from this whole almost hour, like, be it that. That is such a special nugget and I, of course my mind and body are throwing out so many different feelings and thoughts and i i want to come to a cue that i often say in my classes my yoga classes which is 
take yourself to that point of comfortable discomfort that is sustainable, especially in physical asana, right? Like we want to be there with breath. That is the end goal in yoga and yoga practice. We don't want to get to the place where we cannot sustain our breath, which is our life force, right? So use that as an analogy, which is the beautiful thing about yoga in life. Like, yes, take your place, take yourself to that place outside of the comfort zone. It it may be familiar, but it also may, may it likely is uncomfortable. And if it's uncomfortable, then it's likely right, right? And I often want to, I, I try to get away from using the words such as like very binary words, right and wrong. And, um, but I mean, it often, I always tell my, my newbie yoga students, like there is no right in this. Like the only quote in quote, right, is that we're keeping your body safe. There is no being good. Uh, there is a unique process for every individual. And Yes, it's like I also want to distinguish too, and this has been a process of, that I've had to come into in my own way is understanding, okay, there's a difference between challenge for growth, right? And also like the almost, um, how do I want to put it? It's like self-deprecating or self-diminishing um, pattern that we get into of like, no, this has to be hard in order to, to work right? Like this has to be hard. And I could give you so many examples in my own life, but as someone who say in high school, I was like a ultimate overachiever perfectionist. And I would literally drive myself into the ground for like one dinky little high school paper and which would result in a panic attack likely. And I remember I had a moment, several moments in college where I was like, why did I put so much effort? Like, why did I think it had to be that way? You know, and it's like that's our, I've even told this to one of our babysitters this week who was watching our son. I said, I know that it can be easy to, you know, and if like she had just started a new job and she was like, wow, like I, I like finished my project in two hours. I had nothing else. And I was like, and that's okay. You know, mm -hmm. like, yeah, that's okay. Um, so I just wanted to create space for, for knowing that, that both are, are, you know, they both are very alive and and many many people's lives and yes we can fall into a sense of complacency and then need to push ourselves to get outside of that and to get outside of that comfort zone and we can also realize that eh, you know we can peel back some layers and and some conditioned tendencies and ways of thinking and realize like oh this could this can be a heck of a lot easier than what i'm making it yeah, a lot of times we contribute to our own struggling based on our unevaluated thoughts. And so, again, that awareness piece, I know everyone's like, oh my God, mindfulness, awareness, all the things. It's like, yeah, well, people are saying it a lot because there's something to it. So <laughs> maybe pay attention. And, you know, with awareness, we can actually get access to our superpower as a human, which is choice. As a human species, we have the gift that in between a stimuli, whether that be internal or external, and our response, we have choice. And how we have access to that superpower is through awareness. So I don't care how you create that awareness muscle, but I would encourage you to because that's how you change your life. Yes, do the hobby thing, write down your goals, have the, all the things, like implement the skills and the techniques and the interventions, and how you do that sustainably and long-term and in a meaningful way is building the awareness and choosing in those moments um, how you want to respond versus react. And yoga is a great way to do that. Breathwork is a great way to do that. There's so many ways to do it. But I think that that is a beautiful, hard, but beautiful starting point. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And this brings us nearly to the, the end of our episode. One question I do have for you, because I, I want to tap into the Jess DeMarcus wisdom here, um, as I feel like this has been a theme that, that's come up in a lot of conversations lately. And I mentioned this to you just before we hopped on our episode. Uh, but given that there's so many different ways now and so many different ways to, you know, to be a coach, to be a therapist and be a breathwork facilitator. 
I would love you to give your wisdom to our listeners around like finding a label or a title or what to call yourself, especially when it comes to branding and marketing yourself. Um, a way to do that that feels authentic and that feels right. And the example here is that I've, I have a lot of friends who are dual practitioners and who are like, I don't, I don't, yes, I have my master's degree and yes, I, you know, went to school for counseling, but like, I don't, that label, I don't know what my label is or that doesn't really fit for me. Or maybe I don't want to call myself a coach, but I don't really know what I am. Um, what would be, what would be your answer or your wisdom to that? It doesn't have to be one thing. So if you go on anything, my website, my Instagram, my email, I am a therapist and life coach. I don't negate one for the other. And this is something I did struggle with. So I will acknowledge that this label took a while to get to because I played around a little bit, but I played around and then I just came back to what worked and it's, I can be more than one thing. And so I'm both. I am a therapist and I am a life coach and I integrate those trainings. And I think that that could be really beautiful. If you are a yoga teacher and a florist, if you are a breathwork practitioner and a CrossFit athlete, like I don't, I, I think that it's important to create space to be multi-passionate. I, I, when we try to figure out one thing, it puts us in a box and I, and and that can feel very restrictive and, and, and will rebel <laughs> naturally. And so I think it's important just to kind of acknowledge what am I? What do I love doing? What, what actually does my work look like in practice? And calling it what it is. And if it's integrative, multidimensional, or even more than one thing, that's okay. Mm -hmm. Yes, may it be so. That's beautiful, beautiful wisdom. And I couldn't agree more. And yeah, we'll save another podcast episode for just the like these the structure that we tend to want to put ourselves into, and um, which I see more and more now in in our generations and in this new age of like, F the structure, like it is not like let it let's dismantle the walls and you know, crumble it to pieces because like, yeah, what how is it actually serving us? It's not. And, and I think without getting into a soapbox again, maybe this is a conversation later on, but like going back to our social work roots, like labeling theory, like you're more than just a lawyer, more than just a doctor. You're more than just a mother. You're more than just a yoga teacher, like create space for all that you are and share that freely and openly. And I think it's great to kind of acknowledge all the things you're bringing to the table. Absolutely, absolutely. And I want to I want to end here with this is a perfect um, response to that. And one thing I've tried to be very mindful about doing when I when I meet someone for the first time, instead of saying, what do you do? I say, what lights you up? Or what brings you joy? And it's just such a simple reframe. Um, and even when people ask me, because I am a little bit strong willed and stubborn, when people ask me, what do you do? I'm like, I'll say, oh, you mean for work? And I'll like look a little bit bewildered or you mean, you know, like, huh? Act and act a little bit confused. And they're like, oh, I mean, and I'll just ask for clarity um, because it also thinks that, that gives people the opportunity to rethink and reframe, um, which, which I really value. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a fun example um, to teach, right? Versus talking in theory about it, but actually giving them the experiential, like, oh, wow. Like, I remember when I asked Courtney what she did and she said this, they're more likely to actually shift up their questions moving forward than reading this book about, you should ask people what lights them up. Oh, that's a good idea. Highlight clothes on the bookshelf. What do you do? <laughs> so I think it's great that you're kind of giving people an, an experiential opportunity to integrate some of these concepts that would really serve us if we um use them more often yes and i love that you highlighted that word experiential as i would say that is that is me to a t i'm always like i don't know it until i experience it and i will absolutely own like 
the, the pieces of myself that are like, I will never list food, for example, mayonnaise. I actually have like a self-proclaimed phobia of mayonnaise. And I'm like, I know I will never like it. I just know. And I feel the same way about pickles. And they're both very, <laughs> very controversial topics. Um, but I'm like, I just know. And it's okay. You know, we all have those things where we're like, nope, I just know. Um, but for most things in life that I even feel resistance to, I'm like, won't know it until I try it. And, and I, and I feel very strongly about like, I can't, I can empathize and I will do that all night and all day. Um, but I can't bring shared experience to, to that unless I have experienced it to some degree, um, for myself. And you won't know if you don't like something or if you can't do it until you try. Mm -hmm. So just try. I want to try mayonnaise. Just <laughs> uh, <laughs> so good though. So Jess, uh, tell our listeners where they can connect with you. I want to circle back around and redeem myself first and foremost. Her podcast, Unlearn to Level Up. You can find that on um, a couple different platforms. So give tell us where they can find that and then also where yeah. they can connect with you. So feel free to tune into the podcast. I take these big psychological concepts and I break them down into 10 minute segments, teaching you how to actually apply them. So it's very nugget based. It's quick. It's every single Tuesday. So definitely check it out. Um, Unlearn to level up um, on Spotify and Apple and come follow me on the gram. Um, I'm pretty active um, and I have a link in my bio that will take you to Anywhere you want to go, you can book a consult with me. You can get access to some of my freebies. Um, you can go to my website, um, my blog. I mean, everything you need is right there. So it's just underscore Demarcus underscore coaching um, on Instagram, or you can just slide in my DMs. I would love to chat and connect. Perfect. And yeah, don't don't fret sliding into anyone's DMs as that is that is exactly how Jess and I met. So I <laughs> want to normalize that full circle. I will pop all of her information in the show notes. Thank you again, Jess, for coming to share your time, your energy, your wisdom with us today. And uh, yeah, we'll hopefully we'll meet again soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. Mm -hmm.